Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. Listen each week for updated content and be sure to share with your friends. We hope this podcast is a blessing and a resource to you as you pursue God daily. Oh, praise God, praise God. If you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. We are kicking off a a theme, a, a series today called Journey to Christmas. Journey to Christmas. I want to take you on a journey this morning to the first Christmas 2,000 years ago. And the title of the message today, if you're taking notes, is simply this. Are we there yet? Come on, how many of you moms and dads and grandparents, you've heard that a time or two? Are we there yet? Have you ever felt like you were just trying to make it through the holidays? Maybe some of you, you started off this holiday season thinking, Lord, just get me through it. You know, there are so many things to consider. How many of you have put up a Christmas tree yet? How many of you had your Christmas tree up right after Thanksgiving? How many of you had your tree up before Thanksgiving? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes, indeed. You weren't even out of October, and man, you were... Decorating the tree, putting lights up on the house. We put up the tree, we decorate the house, we gotta buy the presents, we gotta wrap the presents. We get matching PJs. Y'all know that's a thing now, matching. How many of y'all have matching PJs for your family? Fellas, I salute and respect you. Man, look, you guys got it going on with the matching PJs so you can take the pictures. And then you plan the parties, you cook the food, you got to see the relatives, you got to endure the relatives, and then you say goodbye to the relatives. You know, we've all seen those Christmas commercials. I'm sure you've probably seen them too. I think some of them are so funny because it's like, are you really in touch with reality? You know, you've seen the commercial where the dad is just like, like this bodybuilder type dad. He's, he's, he's fit, he's put together, he's in this beautiful robe, and he's drinking his coffee. And next to him is his supermodel wife, who's just woken up, but she's got perfect makeup on. And then the kids are, are smiling and laughing and playing together. They look out the window and see the BMW parked out in the drive. Is anybody else's Christmas not like that? Yeah, we have all these expectations of what Christmas is supposed to be. And if we're not careful, we'll think to ourselves, oh, just get me through the holidays. I want us to shift gears, and hopefully we're going to read out of Luke chapter 2 and take a journey to the first Christmas 2,000 years ago and get a different perspective. This is the journey to Christmas. Luke chapter 2, verse 1, the scripture says this, and this is very familiar We hear this every year. Most of you, you know this very well. The Bible says, Luke chapter 2, verse 1, at that time, the Roman emperor Augustus decreed, Caesar decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. This is the beginning of a very familiar narrative. We we call this the Christmas story and we celebrate it 
every year. But I want to read through the first portion of this passage and give you some benchmarks that I think will help you in this journey. And one of the things I want to note right out of the gate is this. If you're taking notes, write this down. Number one, you need to know that God is in control. God is in control. You're going to see here in the next few moments where it feels like things are spinning out of control. A lot of things that are happening beyond your control. But at the end of the day, God orchestrates every single detail. You know, we know the story that, that uh, Caesar issued a decree. And so David had to return to his town of origin in Bethlehem because a census was to be taken. Yet we know that at this time, David, or, uh, Joseph's fiance, uh, Mary, she was great with child. They weren't even married yet, but she was pregnant. Uh, I don't know if any of you moms, you remember that book, What to Expect When You're Expecting? Yeah, how many of you read that book? There's so much preparation you have to make, so many unknowns, and as parents, you want to be ready. How many of you, you want to be the perfect parent for kid number one? Oh, yeah. It's amazing how when you have multiple children, how many of you have more than one child? You're, have you seen your parenting begin to evolve as you go from child one to child two? To, yeah, child one, if, if food falls on the floor, you know, you look at that kid and you say, don't eat that. Do not eat that. That's dangerous. You could get sick. But then by child number two, you're like, well, isn't there like this five-second rule? It's kind of okay. And yeah, you'll be all right. And then by child number three, you, you kind of walk in the, the kitchen. You see him licking the floor. And you're like, ah, that'll be all right. That'll be fine. It builds up their immune system. Come on, parents. Are you with me? Are you child number one when it comes to electronics? You say, we will not allow our children to have any electronics. They're going to use their imagination just like we did when we were kids. Then child number two says, Mom, can I have another hour on my iPad? You're like, sure, I got stuff to take care of. By child number three, you know, you're having a problem with your cell phone. You're like, hey, can you get over here and show me how to update my settings? Come on, can everybody say Amen. Yeah, child number one, when it comes to pictures, you have all kinds of pictures of your first child. You know, child number two, there's a few here and there. Child number three, most people don't even know you have a third child. <laughs> or when it comes to eating breakfast, you know, the first child, they've got like this gourmet meal of French toast and organic fruits. Child number two, okay, cereal, get you some cereal. Child number three, mom, can I have some ketchup? Sure. What to expect when expecting. You know, Joseph and Mary, they never expected to have to pack their bags and move. Consider this. Just weeks before giving birth, think about it. All the preparation. When you're pregnant, you, you go through this series of preparation. You have baby showers, and you're getting the nursery ready, and you know, you're, you're settling into this space of you know, this child will grow up in this home. And yet the Bible says that Caesar issued a decree that the entire Roman Empire would be taxed. And so Joseph and Mary had to make a move. Now, Luke is telling us this, this version of the Christmas story. Most of you know Luke 
Luke was a doctor. He was a physician. Doctors take detailed records. And so Luke, in a sense, was not only a a doctor, but he was a, a historian who recognized the details of the day and wanted to make sure that each one of us would know the significance of this journey to Christmas. The Christmas story is not just some fable or fairy tale. It's not some once upon a time or in a land far away. These were actual events that took place. The context of Luke chapter 2, the world was in chaos. For decades, there was civil war and social unrest. There was moral decay and financial instability. It kind of sounds a lot like today, does it not? That was the climate of the world then. And this Caesar, who was given a name Augustus, that name Augustus means sacred or exalted. He began to turn the tide and try to bring stability to the known world as the Caesar of Rome. Uh, The history tells us that the Roman Empire at that day covered about 3 million square miles. Uh, There was a standing army of a half a million soldiers. Now, let me ask you this. How do you take care of an army that size? You make a decree that you're going to tax the world. You see, raising taxes covers the needs of the military. And so Caesar, this all-powerful, in fact, he was worshipped. There were statues of Caesar at the end of his life, and people worshipped him. How many of you know that's power? Has that ever happened to you? No, we don't know that kind of power. I mean, think about it. If you were to walk into your office cubicle and see a cardboard cutout of yourself, and people saying, we're not worthy. You're just so amazing. Listen, we don't know that kind of power, but it's amazing how Caesar would issue a decree in Rome and 1,500 miles away, a poor peasant couple had to leave Nazareth and travel down to Bethlehem, all because Caesar issued a decree. Now consider this. Joseph and Mary didn't live in Bethlehem, and they never would have gone to Bethlehem except God had a plan. I want you to see this. What we look to see as Caesar having power is really God in disguise. See, don't get caught up by the things that you see. There is an unseen world. Can I have a good amen? There is an invisible God who's doing a very visible work in the earth today. This is what was happening 2,000 years ago on that first Christmas journey. Caesar thought, "Eh, this is my empire. My kingdom is secure here in Rome. But he didn't realize that the kingdom was lying in a manger 1,500 miles away. Can somebody say amen? You see, today... Where is Caesar today? Caesar only has one palace, and it's not in Rome, it's in Vegas. Come on, somebody. (laughs) Let me ask you this. Where is the kingdom of God? It's all over the world. You see, just when you think man has his plan, God steps in with eternal purposes. Somebody say, God is in control. And you're going to see the fingerprints of Almighty God all over this story. Listen, this morning before I left the house, Rachel said, baby, 
you better preach it and bring it strong today. She said, that Nehemiah series was really good. Don't give us some mamby-pamby little wee Christmas service. She said, we all know the Christmas story. You better preach. <laughs> Fellas, does your wife preach to you like mine does to me? Can I tell you this? God is in control. Hear me. You got to hear this with your heart. Some of you feel like your world is spinning out of control. Some of you have surrendered control to earthly powers that be, and you need to recognize the God of the entire universe. He hovers over everything that we see, and he's working out a purpose according to his perfect plan. God is in control. Joseph was living in Nazareth, which was up north, and it was frustrating. Imagine how frustrating it must have been, this turn of events, when this decree is issued. Listen, God not only knew what he was doing, but he was trying to get Joseph and Mary in position. Well, you say, Mike, why did they have to go to Bethlehem? Look at Micah chapter 5, verse 2. There was a prophetic utterance 700 years before the birth of Christ. Micah, the prophet, was a contemporary of Isaiah. And Micah spoke these words, But you, O Bethlehem, somebody say Bethlehem. But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, are only a small village among all the people of Judah. Yet a ruler of Israel, whose origins are in the distant past, will come from you on my behalf. You see, listen, that was decreed 700 years before Caesar ever said, I'm going to tax the world. Can I tell you this? God will use the plans of pagan men, and he will orchestrate his eternal purposes to accomplish his will. Can somebody say amen? We need to know as God's people, our Lord and Savior is in control. He's the one that's orchestrating events, the times and the seasons and the details of, of every situation. God is in charge. What looked like Caesar was actually God in disguise. You see, when Jesus was born and the life and ministry of Jesus, did you know that over 300 Old Testament prophecies were fulfilled? Every prophetic utterance about the Messiah in the Old Testament had to be fulfilled. You know, God will use the inconvenient and the unexpected to get us into position. Some of you are walking through some inconvenience and some unexpected circumstances. Maybe it's in your work. Maybe it's in your family. Maybe you've had some unforeseen things happen in your finances. Can I tell you, God uses all of that to get us into position. God was trying to get Joseph and Mary to Bethlehem. Why? Because the prophet Micah said that out of Bethlehem, a ruler would emerge from this small little sleepy suburban town outside of Jerusalem. God will accomplish his word. You see, God told Joseph and Mary a lot of things. I want you to consider when, when the angel of the Lord spoke to both Mary and Joseph, the angel Gabriel told them that this birth would be supernatural. This child would be a boy. His name would be Jesus, and he would be the future Messiah that would save his people from their sins. The angel of the Lord told Mary and Joseph a lot of things. You know one thing that, that the angel didn't say? You're going to go to Bethlehem. Well, 
that would have been a nice piece of information. Come on, I mean, she's nine months pregnant. Uh, Gabriel, don't you think that would have helped us in our plans? Oh, hear me, hear me, church. God's not going to tell you everything. Now, God will tell you a lot of things, but there are some things that he will leave blank. And you know what you have to fill in that blank with? Faith. You see, if you had all the information, you wouldn't need faith. But guess what? You and I are a people of faith. God's going to leave some dots unconnected. How do we connect the dots? We got to trust him. We're a people of faith. God says, without faith, you can't even please me. Come on, somebody. Hebrews eleven six. It's impossible to please God without faith. And yet God didn't tell Joseph and Mary every detail. And it lets me know that God's no, he's not going to give us every detail either. When you don't have all the information, you got to trust God is in control. God is in control when it comes to your children. God is in control when it comes to your future. God is in control when it comes to your job, your calling, your finances. Come on, somebody, talk to me. God is in control. And if we can lean into that thought, then when the unexpected happens, we won't lose our peace. You see, the devil wants you to live in pieces. But Jesus came as our Prince of Peace. Come on, somebody. God is in control. The best news of Christmas this year is even when things don't work out as you've planned, trust this, that God has a purpose and he's in control. Bible says that Joseph began his route back to Bethlehem. Now check this out. Look at what it says in verse four, the last half of verse four. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. And he took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged and who was now expecting a child. The first thing I want you to see is this. Number one, God is in control. But number two, trust in spite of the trouble. Trust in spite of the trouble. Let me explain why I'm saying this. Because this journey, this, this journey from Nazareth where Joseph and Mary were living down to Bethlehem was about 70 or 80 miles, okay? A 70 or 80 mile journey. Now, for us today, it's hard to really appreciate how difficult that is because, you know, we'd jump in the car and we'd roll. 70 or 80 miles is like from Baton Rouge to New Orleans. If I were to tell you today, you gotta go from Baton Rouge to New Orleans or Baton Rouge to Natchez, okay? That's about 70 or 80 miles, but no car. Oh yeah, no car, no, no, no Uber, you're not catching a ride with anybody. Man, there's no seats that recline all the way back. There's no dual air. There's no cruise control. You got to go 70 to 80 miles with no vehicle. In fact, you're going to walk most of the way. And if you do have any transportation, it'll be a donkey. How would you like to go from here down to Gretna on a donkey in weather like today? Come on, somebody. You're headed back at this 70, 80 miles, going back to your hometown. You're not calling a cousin or a friend or a family member because there is no text messaging. You're not going to Google hotels and their availability. Come on now. You see how spoiled we are? 
And yet we read the story of, oh, well, Joseph had to, he had to go from Nazareth to Bethlehem. That was a big deal. There was a lot of trouble. Oh, never mind the fact that your fiance, she's not your wife, you're engaged. She's pregnant, and she told you that the child is not yours. No, 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 okay, okay, um, can, I, can I step into the real world for a second? You see, we read the Christmas narrative like it's some nice little neat stained glass, and it's so sweet, it's just so sweet, silent night. Oh, no, no, there were a whole lot of nights that weren't so silent. Man, there was trouble going on in this, in this family situation. I mean, can you imagine how Joseph must have felt when he had the conversation with Mary about her being pregnant? Now, now listen, they were engaged. Let me tell you, uh, the ancient weddings, the Jewish weddings had three stages. The first was the betrothal, where there was the agreement. Families agreed. They had arranged marriages. I, I love that concept. We don't practice that here, but that was the, 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 the practice there. There was the betrothal. Then the engagement was as covenant as marriage, except without the consummation. And so there was an agreement between families. There was, an, a, co there was a covenant between Joseph and Mary, and yet Mary gets pregnant, and Joseph says, who's the dad? And Mary says, the Holy Spirit. And Joseph's like, the holy who? Come on, fellas, how many of you might have an issue with this? Yeah, but, but, but now the angel had to speak to Joseph and get him on board as well. Listen, you're going to have to trust him in the trouble. You have to trust him when you don't understand. Lord, I know you have a plan. Not all things are good, but you're working bad things for good. Come on, talk to me. And so, Lord, I'm trusting you on this one. And now you've got to take your, in, your, your future spouse who's nine months pregnant on an 80-mile journey on a camel to a place that there's no guarantee that you even know where you're going to stay. Now, Jewish law said that Joseph could have had Mary stoned. Roman law said that he didn't even have to bring Mary on the journey to Bethlehem. But Joseph was such a man of character and integrity, and he trusted God. He was not going to disgrace her or shame her. He was going to be with her. So together, they made this journey down to Bethlehem. Uh, what do you do when trouble hits? Let me ask you this. What do you do? What do you do when trouble knocks on your door? You see, people revert to habit when crisis hits. What are the habits that you're building now? Let me ask you this. When, when trouble knocks on your door, what do you do? I'll tell you what Mary and Joseph did. They held on to the promise of God. Now, this, is, this is amazing. Look at the last words of the angel Gabriel to Mary in Luke chapter 1, verse 37. This is going to help somebody. Pay attention to this. One of the most important things you'll hear me say, all message, is this verse right here. The very last words words of the angel to Mary when he tells her this spectacular plan of how the Messiah is going to come through her. Here's what he tells Mary. Mary, I know this may be hard to believe. This is a lot to really process. You're going to need some lead time to really wrap your emotions and your spirit around this, but watch this. He says, for the word of God will never fail. 
That was the final instruction that the angel gave Mary. The word of God will not fail. And let me tell you this, even when God doesn't fill in every blank or answer every question, God's word never fails. And if that's all you have, that's all you need. You don't need more information. Come on, somebody. Well, I would respond differently if I knew more. No, 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 no. God's word never fails. The word of the Lord will never fall short. Listen, I've been reading the Bible for decades, okay? I've been following the Lord for almost 40 years, and I've read the Bible from cover to cover. The last 15 years, I've done the one-year Bible. I've read this thing from Genesis to Revelation again and again and again. And you know what one phrase I've never found in this book? Best if used by this date. Have you read that in anywhere in the scriptures? Now look, I had breakfast this morning. I ate a bowl of cereal. I grabbed a carton of milk, and guess what? It had best if used by, and there was a date on that carton telling me that if I don't drink the milk before the date, it's gonna go bad. Can I tell you this? God's word has no expiration date. None whatsoever. The promises of God don't expire. And whatever God told you, he will accomplish because his word never fails. Can somebody say amen? amen. You see, this isn't some sleepy, sad, sappy Christmas message today. This is preaching right where we live. Because you need to know when circumstances are hard, you can trust the word of the Lord. Trust even when trouble comes. And know that you know God is in control. Now, let me give you this quick reminder. People in the Bible didn't know they were in the Bible. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Now, think about it. You say, Mike, why is that important? Because we read the story of Joseph and Mary like they knew they were in the Christmas story. Well, sure, I would act differently if I knew that my journey was being recorded for thousands of generations to read and learn. They didn't know that they were in the Bible. Now, if the Bible were still being written today, let me ask you this. What part would you play in this book? You see, see, if I were Joseph, I know everything's going to be okay. And Mary, look, you got Jesus. Man, people are going to honor you, and you're going to be blessed of all women. Man, And we just make it so simple and so easy because we think, hey, if you're in the Bible, it's all going to work out in the end. Guess what? If we're in Christ, it's all going to work out in the end. God has the final word. Now, Caesar may issue a decree, but what God has declared will stand for all of times. He's in control, and when trouble hits your home, you're going to have to trust the Lord. When you're facing uncertainty, you got to hang on to what's certain. And this book is certain. Man, you can anchor your life and the promises of this book. And what God is teaching us through Mary and Joseph is that we can trust him even when we don't understand. Man, we can look to him even when we don't have all the information that God is sovereign and there's not a single thing that happens to us that hasn't already passed through the filter of his sovereignty. Are you catching this? Uh, Number one, God is in control. Number two, trust in spite of 
the trouble. You know, I was listening to a song the other day, and, and you, you know this about me. I think you do. I'm a sappy guy. I am. Uh, we were listening to some Christmas music the other day, and, and Rachel, and I, look, I love happy. I love happy. I'm the happiest guy in the room. But I'm, I'm not only happy, but I'm sappy as well. And so, you know, Rachel likes the happy Christmas music. I like the, the sappy stuff and the happy stuff. But I was listening to one of those sad, sad uh, sappy Christmas songs. It was, um, oh, what was the name of it? Welcome to Our World. Welcome to Our World. I think Chris Rice wrote the song. And I was listening to it, and, and I was folding clothes in my closet. And then Rachel stumbled upon me. And, and man, I'm just <laughs> folding my socks. <laughs> Man, welcome to our world. And the, the, the lyrics are just beautiful, man. I mean, it's like Jesus coming down from heaven and stepping into our broken world. Welcome to our world. I know that sounds pitiful. It is pitiful. But the part of the song that really gripped my heart was the lyrics that said that God wrapped himself up in our injured flesh. I begin to think about the incarnation, the holiness, the highest of the highs, stepping into the lowest of the lows, and God wrapping himself up in broken humanity, and he robbed us of our sins to make us holy. Welcome to our world. I thought, what kind of God would leave the glory and splendor of heaven to step into the messiness of our everyday world. See, listen, sometimes the holidays are tough for people. And sometimes it's not all smiles and high fives. I mean, isn't this great? It's not the most wonderful time of the year for a lot of people. It highlights the brokenness of their family situation. Maybe some of you, this is the first Christmas that you'll celebrate without a husband without a wife, without a, a child, maybe stepping into this season. It's all about just get through it, just get through it, just get through it. And God's saying, I have stepped into your brokenness so that you can have hope Amen. in spite of the hurt. What do you do when trouble comes? You got to trust him in the trouble. And let me give you this last thought. I want to ask the, the team to come up and they're going to help us pray. Luke chapter two, verse six. The Bible says, while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. The last thing I want you to see is this. In that scene, Jesus was born. I want you to see the miracle in the manger. The miracle, the supernatural. This was the touch point of heaven to earth. That first Christmas night. In a bedroom community, a small village called Bethlehem. Wasn't Jerusalem the center of religious power? It wasn't in Rome the center of political power. It was in a sleepy little village called Bethlehem. Bible says that there was no room. There, there, there was no room. I thought about that. Lord, let us make room for you this Christmas in our hearts. Not, let's not be so crowded with the chaos and the rushing to and fro and all the things that we have to do. Lord, let us create space so that you could be born in us. 
born again. You know, a manger. You think about a manger. A manger was a feeding trough used for animals. Manger is kind of an odd deal, is it not? To put a newborn baby in a feeding trough for animals? It's like putting your brand new baby in, a, in the dog bowl. It's a little odd, isn't it? A little strange. But in ancient Israel, mangers, they were made of stone. Now, I want you to hear this. Mangers weren't super comfortable, but they were protective. The priests who lived near Bethlehem, they would take lambs and put them in mangers to protect them. You say, Mike, why is that important? There's a, there's a certain hill outside of Bethlehem and a tower called Migdal Eater. And in this, this field, this, this hill, on this hillside specifically, the flocks that were grazing in this field were famous for being sacrificial lambs. The priest would choose lambs from this field in this flock and it couldn't just choose any ordinary lamb. It had to be without spot. It had to be perfect. Because the sacrificial system, it required a perfect sacrifice. The blood of these lambs had to be shed twice a day. And so the priest would choose flocks from this hillside. And they would pick out the spotless lamb. And in order to protect it and keep it without blemish, they would wrap this little lamb tightly. They would swaddle it. Come on now, you see where I'm going with this? They would wrap this lamb tightly to protect it, and they would lay this lamb in a manger cut out of stone. Why? Because we don't want any blemish to come to this lamb. This lamb was set apart for sacrifice. That's why the manger in Bethlehem was used in the sacrificial system. Now think about it. 2,000 years ago, when Jesus was born, he was sinless, spotless. He was perfection personified. And he was born to Joseph and Mary. And what did they do? They wrapped him tightly in linen cloths. And they laid him in a manger. This pointed, this little cradle pointed to a cross that one day would save not just the Jews, but everybody who put their faith and trust in Jesus for generations to come. That's why the journey to Bethlehem this Christmas is so important. Because Jesus wasn't just born, but he grew up and he lived and he died as the sinless, spotless Lamb of God to take away the sins of the world. Your sins and my sins, it's all tied to this moment. Thank you for listening. Take a moment and subscribe so you can become a part of the community here and stay up to date with what is happening at Healing Place Church. For more information about HPC, visit healingplacechurch.org.